Brooks, it's happening. We have a deal to report. Now, does this count as today or yesterday? Whatever, it's happening right now. Well, it's counted for today, all right? Because no one knew about it until now. We have a deal to report. This trade deadline update is brought to you by your local Subaru, Ontario Subaru dealers. All right? Nailed it. I know that you're excited. I'm pulling it up right now. Late last night slash early morning, depends where you are in the world. Nick Bonino dealt to Pittsburgh. As per? Elliot Friedman. And he he tagged someone, sorry. I'm, uh, yeah, because Benino, Benino, Benino. That's it. Uh, I'm kind of, uh, what's going on with Pittsburgh makes me a little sad. No. Because it's like they're trying to balance things, right? They got Sid. They're trying to balance the future, but the present. And Benino and Granlund, I don't know if it really does anything for them. But they are getting a little hot. So a blockbuster we'll to kick off your Friday coverage of the trade deadline on NHL trade deadline day at Sportsnet, Sportsnet at 590. The fan, let's kick off our coverage with Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick Show, host of 32 Thoughts, the podcast. How's it going this morning? Jeff, fired up for today? Uh, I'm driving in right now as we speak, Alish and Justin. And uh, as much as we've talked about how all the biggies are gone and we're not going to see much activity and... I still think there's going to be some moments today that surprise people. Like, I don't think Nick Benino qualifies <laughs> as one of those surprise. We all know that, like, I don't think San Jose is done either. And, you know, San Jose may deliver a big shocker at some point today. You know, that Mike Greer is trying to, you know, um, get some cap flexibility going into the offseason. But I still, I still think there'll be some biggies. I still think there'll be a couple of surprises. And there's always that one trade that nobody sees coming. Right, that one player that no one thinks is available. Like a couple of years ago, when Anthony Manta went for Jacob Verana, quick around the table, ha- hands up, who saw that one coming? Not this guy. Personally, no. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of GMs and Eisenman's top of that list, Lou Lamorello, Pat Verbeek in, in Anaheim, that really exist in stealth mode at all times, and nothing gets out of the organization. So. I, again, uh, I know a lot of the big names are gone, but I'm anticipating still a lot of movement today. Yeah, I think the beauty of the deadline so far is that everything that was supposed to happen pretty much has happened, which leaves room for some creativity here over the last 10 hours. But let's say yeah. nothing happens today. And, and this is kind of a difficult question for you because you're involved sure. in filling a lot of hours of live television today. But if nothing <laughs> happens today, are we yeah. already yeah. talking about one of the great trade deadlines? Like we've seen a yeah. lot of big names move yeah. and a lot of great teams yeah. load up on great players. It's, uh, it's transitioned from trade deadline day to trade deadline week. Like, I mean, you're right. And I think we, you know, even as a broadcaster, I think we need to sort of, you know, rethink what this beast is. You know, once upon a time, teams did wait till that final hour. And in the salary cap universe, when everyone thought it was so hard to maneuver, people finally figured out, no, actually, you know what? We can be creative and actually get things done. We just need to get a jump on things. We need to get a head start on things. So trade deadline day has kind of turned into trade deadline week. I think we need to come to that understanding. And this year, because it's kind of been this way for the last few seasons, I think we need to all come to the understanding now and get to where the NHL is at with their managers that it's not just waiting for one day because it's too hard to pivot to plan B when maybe your plan B is already gone as well. Uh, I'm with you. I think this has already become one of the best trade deadline events. I don't even call it a day, but uh, I think we need to rethink what this 
time in the calendar is. It's no longer a tentpole day. It's kind of become a tentpole week. Is that understanding that it's a week and not a day or two weeks and not a day what's really driving everything? Or are we seeing like sort of fundamental changes on how general managers operate. I I think maybe there's more disruptors in the scene, maybe financial stability coming out of the pandemic. I don't know what it is, but it feels like there's a little bit more creativity, a little bit more aggression, assertiveness. There's something changed in the minds of general managers, at least I think, because we didn't see stuff like this before. I think to to be quite blunt, I think that more teams now understand how to use the salary cap and how to use the CBA and aren't shy about, you know, being creative and understand the idea of holding money and how that can actually benefit you and being creative with your deals and playing banker. And I think that, you know, maybe a lot of that is out of necessity because it's a flat cap. So it forces creativity, right? The mother of invention. Um, I, I do wonder though, if this is because we always talk about, let me give you an example here. So we always talk about how players right now um, don't didn't have to stop playing a certain way and relearn the game. Like coming out of the 204, 204, 205 lockout, a lot of players had to profoundly relearn the game. And you can make the argument that it was Connor McDavid's group, like Connor McDavid's year, that didn't have to stop playing a certain way and relearn the game. They just played hockey that way. And I think that what we're seeing now is a collection of managers in the NHL that didn't have to stop thinking the old way. Now, there are some teams that still do, and we can get to that if you want. There are still some teams that think the old way, think pre-salary cap way, or at least there are the fumes of that and, and those examples. But I think teams understand now how to be creative you know, within the guidelines and the walls of this CBA with a flat cap. Well, that leads us to our next point. The Arizona Coyotes, who are experts in cap circumvention, uh, trading for players that do not play hockey anymore, being the Bank of Arizona. Now, I think there's a excitement from some people that these trades are happening because of the Arizona Coyotes, but do you not find that maybe it's a bit frustrating for fans or for, for like, the, I don't know, the the genuineness of integrity the integrity of the game like i i don't love it but i i get that it's helped us have a fun trade deadline yeah i um boy there's a lot on this one how long do you have well how long there's, do you uh, have <laughs> there's a towel that's and i'm driving in i'm on the 404 right now like i'm still a, a ways away from getting to the shop um there's um first of all i don't think the nhl likes it i don't think that it's necessarily a good look to have a team like this that needs to prop itself up artificially just to make the salary cap floor. Having said that, this situation where, you know, uh, essentially the Arizona Coyotes last year were kicked out of Gila River Arena. Uh, I know there's some payment issues, and I'm not going to present this as a, a cut-and-dry black-and-white issue, but they're in a situation that is not favorable for anybody. It's not good for the Coyotes. It's not good for their fans. Um, it's not a good look on the NHL. Uh, a lot of players aren't interested in being part of it. Like, it's not good for uh, hockey-related revenue, so it's not good for the salary cap. I, and we all understand why that is. Okay, we all understand that the Arizona Coyotes are in a situation where nothing is going to change until and unless they get a new arena deal. And that's still very much up in the air. It's trending in that direction, but nothing's over the finish line yet. So this is the situation the Arizona Coyotes are in. They need to run this thing 
on as close to a shoestring budget as possible. There are going to be uncomfortable and embarrassing moments because of it. And you may even just look at the Jacob Chikrin trade and say, that's all they got for Jacob Chikrin. We went through 18 months of that, and, and that ended up being the deal. Um, it's not ideal, and it's not a good look when you have that much dead cap space that's propping up your salary cap that allows you to get to the salary cap floor. And you pick up Jacob Forachek's contract yesterday, which gives you the flexibility to move out even more legitimate um, NHL players to teams and still have contracts that make sure you don't fall underneath the $62 million threshold. I know it's not a great look, but I think the NHL, they agreed to go there. So they're plugging their nose and they're trying to make the best of this. It's not great. It's nowhere close to perfect, but I will say one thing. None of it contravenes the CBA. Now, it may contravene the spirit of the CBA, Ailish, and I think you do have a point there. And, Justin, I think you have a, a point there. But And we heard a lot about, you know, spirit of the CBA when Ilya Kovalchuk's contract was so distasteful to the NHL, even though there wasn't uh, anything very specific the league could point to. Um, it contravenes the spirit, I think, of what the collective bargaining is, uh, agreement is trying to achieve but there is nothing that actually contravenes the CBA at all. It may look bad, but it's a horrible situation to begin with, and they're just trying to keep their heads above water at this point. Uh, just for context, and this is information from Adam Herman yesterday, uh, Arizona's real dollar spending is roughly $22 million under the, under the salary floor with about 58% of their total cap dollars allocated to either buried contracts, retirements, or retentions. So they're finding yeah. ways to pay considerably less than what they're supposed to. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm two, of two minds of it. Like, I really, really appreciate that the NHL has a blank space to help facilitate things. But you're right. If they're not, circ they're not circumventing the salary cap, they're, I mean, they are circumventing the salary cap to a certain degree, but they're not doing anything outside of the rules and for that reason when the rules are so strict which they are in the nhl i'm all for teams finding a way to make best of their situation and unfortunately their situation is pretty grim but i think there are learnings here like i think you can take something for this and i hope the nhl is not just like you know comes down and makes things tighter and, and makes it so you can't do this i hope that they find ways to actually recreate the benefits of protect but while still protecting the uh integrity of the league and the salary cap. Is there any learning here? Is there a way the NHL can, hey, look at how great this trade deadline has been, but thanks in part to Arizona being pretty, you know, embarrassing with their day-to-day -day operations. Is there a way to actually harness some of this stuff, some of this bad, and turn it into something good? It's an interesting question, you know, because all of that that you're talking about, Justin, it's not as if the NHL can wave a magic wand and change the CBA. If you want to reopen the CBA, that's a negotiation um, between the NHL and the Players Association. And if you want to reopen the conversation about what's happening with the Arizona Coyotes and specifically, you know, how they behave and everything around the rink, um, even though, you know, I, it's interesting, I had a conversation with someone who said, actually, you know, ticket revenue is actually up um, uh, from, uh, from last season when they're at Gila River Arena um, but if you want to reopen the conversation about what's happening with the Arizona Coyotes and do something you know and massage the CBA it's a it's kind of a can of worms because if you're the NHL Players Association or I'll give you another one or if you're another team that pays into revenue sharing 
Okay, like if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and you're writing a $25, $30 million check every season and you're looking at the Arizona Coyotes who are deliberately going into a 5,000-seat venue and deliberately depressing the amount of money they can make and, you know, uh, and, and, and depressing what, you know, the salary cap should be, yet still qualifying for the full amount of revenue sharing. If you're a team like the Maple Leafs or the New York Rangers or pick any other teams that, you know, that, that, that pitch into this revenue sharing pool, you also have questions about this. Like, I, I understand the idea of like, okay, so let's try to use this as an example and maybe we can massage things and do something with the CBA. I, I don't know that you really want to make this too much of an issue because I'm sure that teams that pay into the revenue sharing pool are not very impressed. And I'm sure the Players Association are not very impressed with this situation. Like, when I say it's bad, it's bad all over. And, like, I feel, like honestly, you know who I feel really bad for? And I know that he took the job and, he, and everything that comes along with it. And no one goes into these things blind. I feel bad for Bill Armstrong, the general manager of the Arizona Coyotes. Because, and I feel bad for his pro scouts. Like, you're, if you're a pro scout right now for the Arizona Coyotes and you're out there on the road, you're in Philadelphia or Los Angeles or Vancouver – scouting players and filling out reports is there not an element of what are we doing here if we're not allowed to take in players and take in money for the next couple of years until there's an arena deal and a new rank etc why are we out here what are we doing like there's and again i understand it because no one goes in eyes closed i just think that there's a whole lot of a whole lot of bad, and I don't think that anybody around the league right now wants to open up the conversation about what do we do with the Arizona Coyotes. As far as pulling good things out of it, I think the lesson is, too, like, you know, water goes around, water goes around rock, and what may look like a, a brick standing in front of you, water still seeps through, and water can still go around. There are still plenty of creative ways to work within what many thought was a, uh, an ironclad CBA. Yeah, I mean, half-baked idea for sure, but like, why not like a retention pool or a retention tax or something like that where you could at least facilitate the good stuff that we've seen over the last month? I think it's something, you know, a lot of things to look into, but I, I feel like you're, you're, you're opening yeah, you're opening up the CBA and there becomes the can of worms. And don't forget there's a new executive director of the Players Association, Marty Walsh, and you, do, you, know, you, you just feel it. Like the first disagreement, like the first fight between Gary Bettman and Marty Walsh the spines are going to be steel. If you're talking about opening up the CBA to massage something because Batman doesn't want to look weak against his new counterpart and ditto for Marty Walsh. Okay, um, last one for you here, Jeff. I know you're driving in. We're going to see you. We have a window down to the lobby. We're looking for you. So uh, you can come bring us some donuts, <laughs> coffee. Uh, you know where to find us. Um, okay, so yesterday a quick trip to Columbus, then to Vegas. Uh, Jonathan Quick flipped yeah. over there quickly. It seemed like actually a really nice move in terms of having some respect for a guy that has a, a lengthy career and is trying to do the right thing, which is what Blue Jackets GM said um, yesterday. Were you surprised by that, or was it always in the cards that they weren't going to hold a guy back from you know finding an opportunity to chase a cup? And how great would that series be if mm-hmm. Vegas plays against a former team in the playoffs? Well, first of all, L.A. is not going to deal a goaltender to the Vegas Golden Knights <laughs> at, uh, at, at trade deadline. So you need the sort of third-party mirage. Um, yeah, it, it sounds like almost immediately. And, and by the way, Quick was 
really surprised mm-hmm. and quick was you know really upset as were his teammates that most must have been the quietest plane ride home Jonathan quick is one of the like the such a popular guy in that room you know he you know on, on Super Bowl weekend he hosted the team's Super Bowl party and that was the weekend everyone thought Jacob Chikrin was going to Los Angeles Kings and it must have been like every single no one's watching the football game everyone's just watching their phones waiting for the agent to call like he's the veteran Con Smythe um, 2012 was one of the best goalie performances of uh, of that era what he's done for that team is going to have he's going to have his number retired um, I, I think that it was sort of always in the cards that when he goes or when he went to Columbus that they were going to try to find another home for him. Vegas made sense right away, and there really was no point in Jarmo Kekalein and Columbus hanging on to him to begin with. I think that sort of almost immediately, because these conversations and these, these what-if conversations, and every GM has them, a lot of them just sort of you know die on the by the wayside. I think this was probably you know at least part of the conversation. If we do this, will you do that? So it seemed almost immediately faded that this one was going to happen. Uh, one more quick one, Merrick, if you do have the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm um, you know trying to look at okay, what the most impactful addition so far that we've seen because there's no promise that we've seen anything else or that we will see anything else. And I can't help but circle all these impact defensemen. I think Matias Ekholm is going to be huge for the Oilers. Chikrin, yeah. while it might not do anything in terms of playoff, it's a big get for the Ottawa Senators. And even Dmitry Orlov looks like a world beater for the Boston yeah, Bruins, but they just make world beaters out of everybody. So uh, when you when you, when you look at like the single most important addition that we've seen so far, who, who comes top of mind for you? By the way, that really was a nice Dmitry Orlov one-timer yesterday for the mm-hmm. Boston Bruins, wasn't it? Like, it looked like Ovechkin crying out loud. Um... That's a really, really great question. I, I know we'll always we'll, we'll want to focus on on one of the big ones. I do think I agree with you. I think Ekholm, you know, as as much as Edmonton and a lot of those players wanted, like Leon and Connor and a lot of the offensive guys, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, um, they wanted more of an offensive defenseman. This goes back to the All Star game when there were the conversations about Eric Carlson. They wanted someone that can move the puck through the zone. The one area that um, that Edmonton really did need to shore up was was the blue line. So my my default on your question right away um, is going to be Matthias Ekholm. Uh, I think he I, I think he does exactly what uh, what what uh, what Edmonton uh, has rather what exactly what Edmonton needs. Um, shot suppression. Shot suppression. Oh, I gotta get. I shouldn't have bought a new tongue today. Shot <laughs> suppression machine. Uh, for Edmonton, so that's that's full value. I am really curious about Jacob Chikrin and the Ottawa Senators, and is you know can Jacob Chikrin kind of be the new Andrew Hammond, but as a defenseman? You know, can he be the Hamburglar, but as a blue liner? Because just to be blunt, the Ottawa story's fun, and how much fun was that last night? How scary was it when we saw Jacob Chikrin look like he got injured? Oh, and we know. all held our breath. All held our breath yesterday in that Rangers game, but look like you pick up a first pairing defenseman. I know Edmonton did too. Ottawa is becoming such a wonderful story. He doesn't just help them this year. He helps them for a couple more seasons at a very good price tag as well. I wonder if Jacob Chicken, we've been waiting for 18 months. Uh, I wonder if Jacob Chicken can be that most impactful guy. But then again, like Justin, I, I always have a blue line bias. I always def- uh, defer to blue liners as being the most important, whether it's on free agent day or whether it's on trade deadline day. So no shock that I'm going to pick a D-man. I'll go with 
Jacob Chikwin or Matthias Ekholm. All right. Well, Sens four straight wins and now within five points of a playoff spot. We'll see if they're looking to add today. And we can catch Jeff Merrick and Elliot. We're going to have Elliot later on the show as well. But you'll be trade deadline live at 10 a.m. today and a full day of content here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan as well. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Get get some uh, quiet time in before you speak all day yeah. long. <laughs> get ready to see the top of my head and my thumb. We That's will. That's going to be today. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Jeff. Drive safe. Right. See you soon. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for Jeff Merrick hosts the Jeff Merrick Show, co-host 32 Thoughts, the podcast. He's going to be all over the network today. We're going to have his partner in crime, Elliot, on at 8 a.m. And then between that, Anthony Stewart and a full mm-hmm. day of stuff here on 590 to catch stuff. all it's day a lot long. of stuff. A lot of stuff. Of stuff. There's uh, another bit of stuff, or another move at least, from the Edmonton Oilers, bringing in Nick Bukestad yesterday for a third-round pick mm-hmm. in a deal with... Uh, the Arizona pulse. Coyotes. They've got a the Arizona. I almost forgot because who's watching Coyotes? But Nick Bukestad, a lot of rave reviews for that deal too. I All think right. I kind of led the witness a little bit with Matias Ekholm. I believe right now he is the most impactful guy based on what we saw against the Leafs and based on like just an obvious area of need. They have no one like Matias Ekholm, and I think that's what you got to do if you got to win in the playoffs. And guess what? The West is wide open. Edmonton has a chance to do some damage. But Nick Bukestad kind of moves the pieces around a little bit in the bottom six, helps them out a little bit more, moving like Derek Ryan to the wing a little bit and making it so that the Oilers just have a little bit more depth. I think the Oilers can't do much, I don't think. They would have to get like seriously aggressive. Um, and I don't think they really have that appetite. But Kenny Holland, I, I slam him all the time. I think he's done really good. If he had two moves, he made two of the right moves for the Oilers, bringing in Ekholm and Bukestad. Sometimes quality over quantity. Could be best. And just the exact, like, right player that they needed for the two slots that they had open. So before we take a break and get to Stewie, let me read you a couple more of these text line GM mode. That's 595.90. If you're a Maple Leaf GM, Kyle Dubas, what are you doing today? Get me Tom Wilson, Boston's first rounder in Kerfoot. I love Tom Wilson. It would definitely cost more than that. I think it would be a pricey one. Tom Wilson would be a legend oh in my Toronto God, would he ever within one game before he even dons the jersey <laughs> yes he is already I, I i'm with you i love tom wilson yes he goes over the line yes you hate him if you're not a fan of the team that he plays for but he would, would be he not be the perfect impact player for cult. this stretch he would be exactly what that top six needs um one more with the same pieces okay so gm mode boston's first in kerfoot and an additional mid-round pick for Brock Besser. I don't know about Besser. I mean, he definitely fills that role. It's like, okay, yeah, play the wing on the second line. That's mm-hmm. exactly what you are, Brock Besser. Just feels like, why isn't it working with Besser? Why does he seem to be unhappy or unproductive or whatever it is? Maybe yeah, he needs he's, to change he's, the scenery. He probably does, and he's had some unfortunate things happen in his personal life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how connected all these things are, but also Vancouver there's a bit of a stink in Vancouver and maybe that's affecting it more than anything else. He needs a fresh start and that's a low price. So it's not a huge gamble, but I'm not sure Besser's the answer for like a team that wants to win the Stanley cup. Understandable. Send in your picks for today's wake and rake as well at five ninety five ninety. And if you got any GM mode trades, let us know. We're going to talk to Anthony Stewart on the other side of the break. Elliot Freeman at 8am. will do a wake and rake and a tee up of today's trade deadline. And then, of course, all day long on the station and on Sportsnet 
You can stay tuned for more trade deadline action. Stewie on the other side. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkers Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Absolutely iconic guest with the best tunes. Do you think this is for... I think I think the analysts, the hosts, everyone working on trade deadline day, are making their way downtown. Are walking, or yeah, I guess that's I think it. It's it. Making uh, my and way downtown. Then walking a thousand miles. Stewie Anthony Stewart making his way downtown. Was that the connection there? Yes, and I'm driving fast, and I'm work bound, <laughs> and uh, hopefully. I'm the song says I won't just be staring blankly into the camera all day as there's a big nothing burger that's about to happen. But uh, anyways, it's exciting to, you know, work the day with some former NHLers and Paul Bissonnette, Ryan Getzlaff's going to be there, Anson Carter, so uh, Colby Armstrong. So we'll, we'll make it work. It'll be a good day for sure. Yeah, big vibes day for the squad. Eh? I love that we're getting the commuters, everyone on the way in. It's nice. Everyone's everyone's chipper the on the way in. Hey, 680 News Traffic Report brought to you by Anthony Stewart. Where are you? 404? I'm driving on Major Mac right now, and oh. all is clear on uh, northbound Major Mac. All right, keep us updated. When, you, when you're signing off, let us know uh, if there's any offbound ramps teed up, anything we need to know, any tires on the highway. Let us know, Stewie. Okay, we got to start with your sends, buddy. Your sends, are, they're going all in. They're making a push, steal the deadline. They got a chance here or what? Well, I quadrupled down, and I forgot what was after quadruple, so that's where I ended that. I think that was last month, but uh, the team right now is showing that, you know, they can make a push, and the addition now of Chikrin, uh, you know, really solidifies that top four. So you see the big win last night, Giroux scoring his 26th of the year. Uh, this Ottawa team is for real. So whether or not they get in, you know, I think the consensus was that this is going to be a team that's, uh, you know, you're going to have to watch out in the future. And next year, I would not be surprised to see them now adding a couple more pieces and really, really making a push in the Eastern Conference. It's called quintuple, um, just for future reference. You can use that today, buddy. You know what? Free quintuple stuff down for you. today. Today, you got What's that. Quintuple. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, the price for Jacob Chikrin. Um, glad to see him move. Glad to have the end of the era um, solidified. But seemed like they played their, their hand well, the Sens. They waited and waited, and then it didn't seem like it cost as much as maybe we anticipated. Is that your thought on the cost to get a guy that can be a staple, hopefully, for the long term here? Well, last time I think his name was brought up with regards to Ottawa, they were talking about the return being Shane Pinto, and um, that was something Pierre Dorian did not want to do, part with a young player that's going to have a bright future. So I think the you know Coyotes overplayed their hand a little bit, and you sort of saw what some of these other players were going for. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, you got to do right by the player now. We've been talking about the Chikrin trade, I think, since I was in the league in 2014. <laughs> um, but again, he, he's a good player. He's got, he has term. Uh, you know, we know he has some injury problems, but when he's on, you saw what he did this year, you know, almost near a point-a-game clip, you know, he's a difference maker. So you add that to the blue line for Ottawa, who's been struggling a little bit on that back end now, you know, finding a, another top-four player to play, uh, you know, with Shabbat, you know, that, that, that's great. So, and, and again, I train in the summertime with the pros, and I'm on the ice with them, mm-hmm. and this mad, this mad Sodgard guy, like, 
he's a he's a beast. He walked in. He looked like Beowulf walking in. I was like, how does this guy? How do you score on this guy? I don't know. So I was literally amazed watching him train with Andy Kyoto, who's the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins uh, goalie coach, and, and Andrew Peters, who's working with Binghamton. This kid is going to be a good, good player. And you can see by the fact that he was Rookie of the Month, uh, he, he's going to be a star, I think, just based on what I've seen. So you have the goaltending, you have the D, some great young forwards and leadership of Giroux that you got to watch out for the Ottawa Senators in the future. Uh, they are closing in on a playoff spot, three games at hand, four points back. So they could make this happen uh, this year. But let's go to the center of the hockey universe with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Could be a big day. Could be a quiet day. Do you have Maple Leafs predictions for trade deadline day? Uh, my prediction, pain. Uh, just based, I don't think they're going to be doing anything. I could see them now. I know they have an abundance of defense, but uh, you know I, I've learned from Nick Kiprios and saying you need eight, nine guys to really make a run because the playoffs there's a little bit of luck. Uh, you got to have health and you got to have your specialty teams being special. So I could see them really loading up on the D and you know having that rotation in some games maybe going 11 and seven. Um, so I don't really think they're going to be making a move and getting rid of a D because I know right now the cash traps you have to have money coming in, money coming out. Um, so I think for the Leafs, maybe they could add another, you know, try to add a scoring forward. But, you know, I'm doing the math and, you know, you're talking about, well, maybe they're going to go get Lawson Krause. It's like, well, okay, well, then what are you going to do with Michael Bunting, right? Lawson Krause, you could have paid a million dollars more and had a Zach Hyman, right? So I don't really see him being a fit. I could see them maybe adding another rental up front. Uh, but, again, the players that they've added so far, they've come in, they've done their job, and they've added 400 hits, which is amazing on that bottom six. Uh, they have a really, really good complementary uh, group of forwards as well. You saw a Luke Shen brought to the lineup last night and playing some heavy hockey cross-check and running over Milan Lucic. So I, I really like the moves they made, and I think they're poised for a big run this year. Okay, reasonable to stand pat after six editions and you said 400 hits. I, I feel like that's a lot of uh, incoming impact. But last night, we called it speed dating. It was like, okay, who wants to play with Morgan Riley? Let's try out some new partners here. And yeah, we got some Gustafson down the stretch. We got some Shen minutes. But if Shen or Gustafson was labeled a top-pairing defenseman for a Stanley Cup hopeful uh, before the season, you'd call them pretty crazy. So I guess the question is, if there's no moves, who's playing with Morgan Riley when the playoffs begin? Uh, that's going to be tough, right? And, um, you know, it, it could be Justin Hall, right? You want Morgan Riley going in and, and, and getting in on the offense. And, you know, the one stalwart back end, the one constant that's just, you know, eating up a lot of minutes just playing steady hockey. I know he has his gaffes here and there. It's just Justin Hall. So, yeah, the, on paper, does that uh, sound sexy? I don't think so in any sense of the word. But, you know, Sheldon keeps trust Hall. He's one of his most trusted defensemen. He's playing in big situations on the penalty kill. He's there at the end of the game. So you saw what he brought to the table last night, and I don't think he's going anywhere because he's trusted. He's trusted. So, you know, everyone says, are these top defensemen? Well, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, they are. And, uh, you know, I think they're fourth in the NHL in goals against, so their team defense is overall good. Um, so I think they're doing it by committee, and I would not be surprised to see it beat Justin Hall. Would you be surprised if they found a way to look into goaltending, or is that one off the table for you? Yeah, again, it's it's chemistry, right? And, you know, it's, you know, Big Save Dave, can they go get Big Save Dave again? Because I like saying Big Save Dave. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. Sam Sonoff has shown he can do, can do the job. You saw uh, what uh, Wall can do as well. But I think Matt Murray comes coming back and, um, you know, really solidifying that, uh, that goaltending position. And I think that was the design all along, having two guys that can push each other, 1A, 1B, bringing in a guy right now at, at the last minute. Remember, Free agencies, I think, what is it, a 50% rate, uh, hit rate? So you're bringing in six guys, two or three probably aren't going to work out. 
you don't want to have now add another two, three guys because that could spell disaster for your playoff hopes. Saying Big Save Dave is better than seeing Big Save Dave. <laughs> uh, with o- what's going on with Austin Matthews here? Like uh, it was kind of a disappointing effort versus Connor McDavid kind of. battle of the Hart Trophy guys. Kind of it, it was. It was very disappointing to see uh, McDavid look like he was twice the player, at least in that moment. Uh, and then we see last night they were a little better, maybe a little bit more intent, but it was still the Mitch Marner show. Uh, what's going on there with Austin Matthews? Well, I think we're going to look at the end of the season and see he has 40 goals. So, you know, it's, it's tough to really, when you look at it from that lens, um, it's a successful season. But, you know, if, if you look at the analytics and the numbers, there's only so much puck, right? And you look at your Dreisaitl and McDavid, they're obviously going above and beyond because there's only two of them. And you look at the Maple Leafs right now, you have Nylander having a career year. Marner's going to be on pace for over 100 points. JT's playing good. Now you add O'Reilly, you know, Matthews, his job, yeah, obviously it's to score, but he's playing a good two-way game. And I know fans, they want to see 60 every year. Uh, but, again, does he still have that pop he had last year? No. Uh, but keep in mind now, teams are going to be keying in on him. Uh, a lot of defensive schemes now are going to be trying to be gapping in and taking his time and space away. He doesn't seem to have that space that he had last year, especially on the power play, coming downhill to rip that shot. So, um, yeah, does he want to have more goals? Yes. But I think for him right now at this point, um, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs go and win a Stanley Cup. You know, they're, they're, they're building that statue, you know, right now with Austin Matthews' face on it. So, yeah, you want to score goals, it's, it's, it's great, it's amazing, but I think for him it's about the win. So uh, until the, you know, at the end of the season or the end of the playoffs and seeing where they're at, I think you're going to have a positive outlook on Austin Matthews' season. All right, we got our traffic insider, uh, Anthony Stewart, out on the roads, former NHL forward, current sports analyst on us on the line with us today. Um, okay, so we get to see Calgary up close and personal last night. They got four losses in a row heading into the trade deadline. Um, every other Western team that needs to get into playoffs won last night. Where do you think that they're going to go today? I think they're a really intriguing team. They have some great pieces. They spent a lot this offseason. They were, you know, one of the teams with really big expectations and haven't hit that so far. Do you think they're going to try to add or are they going to start selling off pieces? Well, one of my many uh, incorrect predictions was Calgary Flames winning the Stanley Cup. So I'm out of the uh, prediction business. Okay, so Justin had um, the President's Trophy. Still have a chance. Beyond. Still have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. President's Trophy, yeah. not so much. <laughs> yeah. So I missed on that one completely. But again, just you know, I think it comes down to uh, goaltending, right? And for this team to do what they needed to do this year, they needed Markstrom to play at the clip that he was last year. Yeah. Does he need to get nine shutouts? No. Uh, but he can't be at a, you know, in the 800s, save percentage, expect to win a lot of games. So um, did they miss on the Huberto trade? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's a little bit too early. He's a, a really, really talented player. So I just think it just didn't click. And, and I think it's up to the coaching staff now to really dig down and say, well, what is this team and play to their strengths, right? And, you know, you saw some young players and Dewar and Peltier, you know, take forever to get into the lineup you got to start sprinkling some young guys in and giving them an opportunity to play. So if I'm, uh, you know, Trey Living right now, you're seeing what some of these players are fetching. You know, I'm looking at the market, right? I'm looking at the market and seeing what I can get and start building towards the future as well, too. So I know expectations are high, but, you know, you're seeing some teams do that uh, on the fly retool. I think Calgary can do that. But, again, I think it's too tough in this West right now uh, with some of these teams that are peaking and some coming down that I think Calgary might be on the outside looking in at the end of it. All right, we talked about your Sens um, in a big night against the new look Rangers at MSG last night. A lot of anticipation. Patrick Kane to make his debut. Hot ticket on Broadway. Uh, Sens with a big win over the Rangers, but also Patrick Kane didn't 
get a hat trick, which was kind of the thought and the betting going into it that he was going to come out uh, swinging for the fences. But just the idea that he's he's there, he's going to help this team. I am assuming tremendously down the, the stretch or at least want to. And this New York, New Jersey series that could be around the corner, just a level of excitement that might be um, injected into the New York market um, with the addition of Patrick Kane. Yeah. And I was looking at the roster yesterday and I, and I had that gift where that the guy pulls his glasses down and take a second look. And, I, and I'm looking at this, this forward lineup. I'm like, mm-hmm. how are they under the cap? Right? They got Panera <laughs> and Trocek, Kane, uh, you know, you got the kid line as well, too, with Kreider, Zabinijad, and Tarasenko. I'm doing the math, and, you know, I lost count halfway up there, too. So you're looking at that forward lineup, and then now you're looking at Fox, and then you're looking at Truba and Keandre Miller. All those guys are top echelon defense, and then you add Shesterkin. It's like, how do you, you know, I know Boston loaded up. I know Toronto loaded up. It's like, how do you now count the New York Rangers out? That is extreme firepower so you know i would not be surprised again i'm i'm picking the Leafs to make a run but i would not be surprised to see the rangers in the stanley cup final and you know they have a good coach as well so um that that lineup is, is steady deadly that's my only adjective to really describe those mm-hmm. rangers and uh, it's going to be exciting and i think patrick kane you're going to see what he can really do and you saw when the stakes were really high on him really trying to play his way off the island you know he's putting up some player of the week player of the month numbers so it's good to see it's going to be exciting uh, whoever comes out of this Eastern Conference is going to make for some really, really tough uh, but entertaining series as well. Uh, to do that, to get to the Stanley Cup final, they may have to go through the Boston Bruins. Uh, and the Boston Bruins, like, ultimate frustration for Leaf fans, I think, yesterday, where it's like, okay, they finally run into some adversity. We got Taylor Hall injury. We got Nick Felino injury. But it comes at the perfect time. You could add Tyler Bertuzzi, and you can be even a better team when the playoffs roll around. Are they just living in this, like, charmed existence, this perfect world where everything goes perfectly for them? And how long can that last? Can that only last a regular season? Can it last through the playoffs? Or the Bruins just uh, built like that this year where nothing really can trip them up and they kind of deserve the luck that they've gotten? Well, you remember the last team that had this kind of season, what happened, right? That was my one true prediction that the Columbus Blue Jackets were going to beat Tampa Bay Lightning. and That was probably 16 years ago when it happened, but... You know, I think part of the season is having that adversity, going through ups and downs, going through losing streaks, having the power play and penalty kill struggle for a segment at a time. So just think everything's been clicking almost too well for Boston, right? So I know that's not really a good prediction saying, well, this is why they're going to lose, but you have to go through that adversity. And what I talked about at the top of the hit was, you know, to have success in the playoffs, there's a little bit of luck. Um, there's injuries, you got to stay injury-free, and you got to have specialty teams. So them having a, a career year uh, in the regular season doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have a great playoff. So uh, Boston, yes, tremendous, tremendous. They have uh, the perfection line. Uh, you know, uh, Krejci's playing some great hockey. They added Bertuzzi. Um, I know they traded uh, some other players away as well. But, I mean, sorry, they got Orlov and Hathaway. Hathaway, that is a fourth-line guy. That is probably one of the top five fourth-line guys in the league as well, too. Mm-hmm. Orlov is playing some great hockey as well. Uh, but again, you have to have some adversity, and I would not be surprised to see them have that in the first round where they could be down 2-0. So that could be when it happens, but I'm not, uh, you, you got to have that adversity. Feels like the Bruins have three of the top five fourth liners in the league. A uh, little bit of an impact at the depth of their lineup. Um, Jonathan Quick goes from LA to Columbus and now to Vegas, and it sets up for a perfect potential storyline. If the Kings and Golden Knights maybe meet with a chance to go to a conference final, how desperate are you to see the Kings and Golden Knights now that Jonathan Quick is a member of the Vegas Golden Knights? That'd be great. And they got to somehow find a way to 
um, you know, get him into the pregame show where you thought you left me out to die in Columbus and here I am now in Vegas and he takes off his night gear and he's ready to go. Like, that would be great, almost like uh, um, Apollo Creed versus Drago. But anyways, I, I think it's it's a great story. You know, he's he's too good of a player to have it end that way in Columbus and not making the playoffs. So maybe that was part of the plan all along. I don't know, but... Um, I would not be surprised to see him go on a run and, and get in that net. And, you know, part of uh, winning a Stanley Cup is you got to have experience and know what it takes. So his numbers aren't there this year. I know he struggled mightily and some injuries here and there. But, again, I don't really uh, discount that experience part. So I would love for him to see uh, that L.A. Vegas series. It would be definitely entertaining. But let's find a way to get him involved in the pregame ceremonies. <laughs> You're a producer now, Stewie. <laughs> yeah, I love this for you. Uh, man with many talents. Um, you have an issue with the Bank of Arizona, the way they're circumventing the cap, their little, uh, you know, cap floor situation, taking in contracts of players that don't exist anymore just to help other teams out. Do you like that? Do you think it's a bad integrity for the league? Well, then the rules, as they say, and, uh, you know, I wish I could sit here and say I have the, the brain capacity to understand how they're doing it or what they're doing. And I think a lot of people are in the same boat, but they don't want to admit it. They're like, yeah, that's, you know, I understand that those numbers. Yeah. Yeah. But those are the rules. But um, again, it's, is it a little bit of uh, cap circumvention? Yes. Uh, and Brian Burke gave me the best advice as an executive. You got to sell wins or you got to sell hope. And I don't think they're selling neither of those right now, just in, in Arizona. And if you're looking at, you know, the potential now to get Connor Bedard. Like, does he really want to go to a market that's only 3,500 fans? You know, you don't have a, you know, seating at the one end of the rink. Um, you know, they're sort of taking players on that are on the end of the careers, and they're not really showing that they want to improve. So I know, yes, you can weaponize your cap space. You can, uh, you know, use the salary cap to your advantage, but you got to sell hope. And I don't think they're there in Arizona. They're roughly $22 million under the salary floor in real dollar spending with 58% of their cap dollars allocated to buried contracts, retirements, or retentions. That said, I don't mind it because it's setting up for a more entertaining trade deadline. You need a blank space sometimes, and Arizona, thankfully, is providing that. Uh, if you're looking at the deals that we've seen so far, what's the one impact addition that you have circled that can really, really make a difference for a team? Already done or potential today? Cool, either. We'll go already done, but let's go potential today as well. Ooh, I want to see like what the Tampa Bay Lightning done. Are they done? I know they gave away half the farm to get uh, Tanner Janot, uh, but mm. I'm trying to think who can be that addition. I'm gonna go. Oof, I'm gonna go Tarasenko. I, I, I really like his game. I know he's had some injury problems, but I think him having a big playoff series and the way that I think the Rangers are going to make a run and him playing for a new contract, Tarasenko thinks going to have a big, big impact for that uh, New York Rangers team. Uh, were- potential, do, do they get, do they get uh, does Besser move? Does JT Miller move, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's going to be interesting and you know, who's going to load up in the West? You saw Dallas do uh, the Ty Domi, sorry Max Domi, excuse <laughs> me, yesterday. Um, so what's the West going to do? Are they going to make any more big moves? It's sort of been a nothing burger out there, and don't discount the Colorado Avalanche right now and adding a piece or two as well. All right, you're really teeing up the intrigue today. Everyone can catch Stewie, uh, Anthony, at Hockey Central trade deadline beginning at 10 a.m. today. Stewie, you were traded once. What's that like? Yeah, it sucks. Mm. I'm a brand-new dressing room. We get the first day of training camp after the lockout. I'm like, where's my stall? And then Kirk Muller comes in, oh, Jim Rutherford wants to see you. I'm like, oh, man. Oh. <laughs> We're all, Thanks, there's human lives being traded today. So, you know, a little what bit. What happened to the dogs? 
What about the dogs? You're going from L.A. to Boston. What about the, how are you going to get your dogs there? So that's what you got to think about, fans. Say, what about the dogs? That's right. Think about the dogs today while you're watching uh, Anthony on Hockey Central today. Stewie, appreciate you joining us. How's the traffic? One last report, 6A News report. Uh, Anthony Stewart on Major McKenzie maybe has merged onto the 404. Where are we at here? All is clear on the drive up uh, into the city here. All okay. is clear. You heard it there first. All right, Stewie, see you soon. Enjoy the day and hope you get some uh, chaos. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. As any Stewart, former NHL forward, current sports on analyst, um, sideline 680 News traffic reporter. And he'll be on the air for Hockey Central t- trade deadline beginning at 10 a.m. on the television side. Okay, so one trade technically today announced at least reported by our Elliot Friedman mm-hmm. with Benino going back to the Pittsburgh Penguins where he won a Stanley Cup. What do you think the over-under is on trades today? Like, where should we set the line? That was a quick answer. <laughs> I've been thinking about this. 16 and a half. Okay, so 16 and a half. You know I'm setting lines. You that are, is meaning my... we need 16 Perfect. more to hit the over. Yes, because we have one. When was yeah, this Benino's, No, Benino's definitely a trade today. All right, okay, well, sure, whatever. Okay, do you want to make it 17 nope, and nope, a half then? Good morning. Hearing you're... that late last night, Nick Benino was dealt. Okay. So to so... me, that seems like it was late last night. We can ask Elliot when he joins us in tw- 12 I minutes. think he means like the wee hours of the morning, which would be today. He did say late last night. Also reported this morning. Okay, you want to count that as today? We'll count it as today. You can make it 17 and a half and not nope, count it. let's count it today. Okay, we're counting it today. I'm and still it's hitting 16, under. And it's 16 and a half and you're going under? Yep. Okay, I think that, there'll be that's, 15 that's trades. That's why you're nitpicking me then. Oh, I think there'll be 15 trades. I think there's going to be 16 more. Okay, see, that's why more. the line is I think set it's, I think it's going to be slightly over. There's going to be some nothing burger deals. There's going to be some minor stuff going on. Okay, how about deals of importance, three? Deals of importance, definitely under 16 and a half. <laughs> yeah, there's I'll, not even I'll 16 say, and a half important players I'll say left. single digits, but I'll go eight. Okay, wow. I like this. You There's know what? There's still going to be eight moves that are that are reason. And any team that's adding to a playoff roster is a reasonably important move. I right? like that. Yep, sure. Okay. Um, keep your text coming in at 590-590, your armchair GM moves. We're going to read those later in the show. And just to give you another reminder of our trade deadline lineup today on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590 The Fan. After us, you got the J.D. Bunkus podcast with Paul Bissonette and Ryan Getzlaff. Then from 11 to 1 p.m., you get to hear Justin Cuthbert again and Matt Marchese with special two-hour edition of Sportsnet Today, joined by Jennifer Botterill, Colby Armstrong, and Kevin Bieksa. Afterwards, Gunner and Gord bringing you Leafs Nation right at the end of the buzzer beater, 1 to 3 p.m., including Anson Carter and Jamal Mayers. Real Kipper and Bourne hitting the airwaves right after that. 3 p.m. deadline, they'll have Paul Bissonnette. Colby Armstrong and Doug McLean on the show, and then fan drive time, closing out the programming from 5 to 7 with Anson Carter, Elliot Friedman, Mike Fuda, among other guests. And then, of course, Hockey Central trade deadline goes live at Sportsnet beginning at 10 a.m. on your TV. This is the busiest this studio will be ever? Because all everything's running out of this one. We got two different studios. We're in this today. one. There's another one that's in use, but I think everyone is in this one today. So it's going to be people are going to be coming in and Catering out. Catering Co's getting a workout today. You think we can sniff around down There's there? There's no chance. You don't think we can? No. If we hovered around, you will be here from eleven to one. You're getting something. That's what I mean. Like you're I, you're, you're going straight home. Yeah, you'll be. You'll be. I'll well, be listening to you on the road. Uh, oh yeah, you're going back out on the road. I'm going, I was going to say it might be nap time out for today. you. No, no You've naps already heard today. me talk for three hours. I don't know if you need another two. No but naps. everyone else should. No naps today. Full content on the station. And our insider, Elliot Freeman's joining us on the other side of the break. 
Historically, he has hung up on us two out of two times. Hung up is harsh. No, no. He has had to break other trades or deal with other things. He's had to cut the interview short. Yeah, yeah. It's technically hanging up. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but he's he's batting a thousand on having to hang up on us for important trades. So maybe that happens next.